Welcome to episode 19 of The Tech Bubble, the first in a new series which will focus exclusively on artificial intelligence. I'm your host for today, Donald Ma, the new communication officer here at SIS. You may be wondering what has happened to our usual two hosts, head of film, media, and digital literacy, Ian Williamson, as well as Tech Connect leader, Amanat Reki from 11N1. Well, fear not. Today, Ian and Amanat have their turn in the hot seat as our guests. A new season, a new intro, and a new segment. Let's hit the news. This is Izzy Poland, student head of the DLC. Two updates from me. In eSports, congratulations to the SIS team which finished second in the recent ESF-wide eSports tournament. The game of choice was Minecraft and our students, led by MVP William Choi in 10 and 2, did a great job of beating Discovery College in a closely fought semi-final before losing to Charlton College in the final. Secondly, the DLC will be introducing the new Year 7 driving license for the start of the 2023-24 academic year. All students will complete a series of exercises in basic digital competencies, including digital citizenship, before qualifying with three points. These points can be lost during the year if the staff feel like their digital devices are being misused. The three strikes and you're out setup means that students losing all of their points would trigger a reinduction process involving the students, parents, and a representative from the DLC. The process would lead to a signed agreement between all the participants. The DLC are always happy to hear your thoughts on this development or anything else we do, so feel free to write to us at digileaders at webmail.sis.edu.hk. This is Jason Choi, head of projects for the DLC. For 2023-24, SIS intends to launch a new robotics club, which will take place in D83 each week as part of our extracurricular provision. We are very keen to add robotics to our already very robust coding program at SIS and hope that students will enjoy the challenges of working with VEX as our provider. Our ultimate goal will be to participate as part of the VEX Hong Kong Challenge and perhaps one day enable a team from our school to qualify for the VEX World Championships. Hi, this is Michelle Yoon, producer of the Tech Bubble and head of marketing for the DLC. Internet Safety Week is already coming on as we provided bespoke resources for each year group built around the Safe Internet Day on the 6th of February. This year, the theme focused on an ESF-wide push via the newly published Digital Citizenship Framework. More specifically, Year 7's worked around key ideas of being engaged, Year 8 being balanced, and Year 9 staying safe. Years 10 to 13 focus on all three, plus a fourth key area of staying informed. The DLC continues to promote the importance of digital citizenship for all of our communities. Congratulations to the DLC! Lots of worthwhile initiatives from 2022 to 23, and we're all looking forward to more of the same in August when school starts again. So today, we plan to focus on AI. This has been a huge talking point, not just in education, but across society and just about all sectors. Our first guest today is Ian Williamson. Ian has already given several presentations to school stakeholders on the development of AI, as well as to colleagues from across the ESF network as part of the Learning Technology Network. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Donald. And I have to say, it's a bit weird to be in the hot seat today, um, having been the host for so long, but I am very glad to be involved. Thank you, Donald. And our second guest is Amanat Reki from 11N1. Amanat is no stranger to AI, having taught AI apps as part of the Tech Connect DLC ECA for several years. 
Welcome to the show, Amanat, and congratulations for getting through your GCSEs. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm very excited to be discussing such a relevant and fascinating topic. In season four of the Tech Bubble, we seek to explore the potential benefits and challenges to our society that the AI paradigm shift represents. In each show, we will invite at least one key guest to discuss the changes in their own sectors and what they feel is happening now, how this compares to the past, and what they may feel happen in the future. I'd like to start with ChatGPT. Ian, to get a sense of how your faculty had responded to the emergence of AI of this nature, there seems to be a very wide spectrum of opinions ranging from those that see ChatGPT as a dangerous shortcut to critical thinking or as a means of cheating when submitting essays to a useful formative tool, a means of generating ideas and testing out ideas. Where do you stand on the issue? Well, thank you, Donald. Um, okay, well, I think the first thing to establish is that ChatGPT is not synonymous with AI. Um, you know, this is a, a Microsoft-owned chatbot, um, and it's only one of the many, many tools which are currently flooding the market at the moment. So, uh, you know, as a school, I think what we've tried to do is stress the importance of a balanced approach to the adoption, um, you know, of AI in general, uh, and obviously in the classroom. So, you know, we're, we're pretty quick to acknowledge that tools of this nature come with some really incredible benefits. Um, you know, in education, but also, you know, so many challenges too. Um, you know, it's been incredibly exciting thinking about what AI might bring to us, you know, within a school context. But I think it's also been my job um, to think a little bit about what lies outside of school too and, and, and the ways in which AI is going to be a challenge to us. So I guess to get back to your question, um, Donald, I, I feel that ChatGPT specifically can help greatly with something that the Australian academic Jason Lodge calls cognitive offloading. And this means that generative AI is capable of automating a lot of the tasks which currently takes a lot of time for, you know, for teachers, for teachers especially actually, enabling us to spend a bit more time doing the things that really matter, like you know, speaking to the students, and working with the students, talking to students, rather than having to worry about generating responses and things to you know emails or whatever it might be um, so I mean equally we'll, we'll need to be prepared to engage with a lot of curriculum redesign I think going forward if we want that curriculum to remain relevant and, and meaningful for our students going forward. Can you expand a little on your final point there Ian and also give us some specific examples of teacher cognitive offloading? Sure no worries the I guess the challenge that we face as practitioners is that if we're assessing only the end product, like you know an essay for instance, this poses a lot of problems in the AI age. Um, you know, so although we're teaching students what constitutes academic dishonesty, with the submission of essay-based tasks, it's inevitable that some students will see tasks that don't interest them or those in which they're pushed for time as you know, kind of opportunities to cut corners using generative AI. And, and I think what many educationalists are advocating is that learning doesn't just happen in a snapshot. It's not just the end of the process, as with an essay or an examination, but, but rather it happens during the process itself. And it's, it's this kind of learning journey which we need to begin to leverage in a sort of, a, you know, in a redesigned curriculum to go back to, to Jason Lodge. And, as for your second question with regards to cognitive offloading, 
This is really about using AI to generate lesson plan ideas or help write email responses or maybe it's some suggested lines of a report. And this is, this is already happening, by the way, in, in not just in our school, but you know, across the ESF and, and beyond. And, and learning can be tested in an automated way. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of already the case with some of the apps that we use in school, like quizzes. And it's about using generative AI to speed up administrative processes, which, you know, they've traditionally taken a lot of time. So, you know, Amana, you, you'd be able to testify this as well. But, you know, AI is not new. Um, you know, we've been using AI for years, but generative AI is described by you know, people like uh, Aza Raskin from the, the Center for Humane Technology um, and a podcast that I've mentioned many times on the tech bubble, which is your undivided attention. And Raskin describes this as the second contact with AI. This is not first contact, it's second contact. And AI has underpinned the social media that we've been using for years. And I guess through the algorithms which inform our social media practice, and then subsequently what we call today the attention economy. So first contact with AI is social media. Second contact is generative AI that we're using at the moment, the chat GPTs of the world. Amana, this seems like a good place to bring you in. Can you give us a brief sense of the AI apps you have used in TechConnect? And as a follow-up question, I'd love to know how you think the student population at SIS have responded to AI? Thank you so much. So I think in Tech Connect, we aim to introduce the use of AI in various disciplines that students can relate with because they have subjects in school like art, design, language, and music. And we show them applications, some of which include Magenta Lo-Fi Player, Bach Harmonizer, Gauguin, AI Duet, and other such applications that can directly link to their subject areas. So for example, these apps could allow students to do things like turning doodles into photorealistic images, or learning new languages using the camera on their phones, or even harmonizing melodies that they may create in music lessons and transforming them into Bach's signature style. So I think while most tech-related clubs actually focus on developing practical skills like coding skills, in Tech Connect, we have sort of a more holistic approach where students don't only learn the practical skills, but they also explore new technologies in various fields and learn more about current solutions to problems in the real world. Um, students are encouraged to think about also the concepts that are involved in creating such programs like machine learning, neural networks, supervised and unsupervised learning, reinforcement learning, and other such um, concepts that are involved in creating softwares and programs to think about where else these could be applied. And regarding the follow-up question, I think there's been quite a positive response to the AI applications that we use in TechConnect. Many of these softwares, as I said, have um, direct relations to subject areas and particular topics that students study in class. And so they can be used to extend their learning through exploring further outside the classroom. Um, however, in regards to the introduction of ChatGPT more recently, I think there's been more of a mixed response on whether schools should embrace the technology or restrict it. Can you expand on that, the idea and what the students are feeling about ChatGPT? Sure, so I think that many students feel that ChatGPT is a very powerful, although imperfect tool um, from speaking with my classmates, I've noticed that they feel 
like ChatGPT is very useful for completing assignments because it kind of eradicates the need for having a tutor since you can ask it any question and it will reply with the answer. Um, some students, however, believe that ChatGPT is not very good at writing essays or creative writing tasks because it's very brief and it often lacks the level of knowledge to write a whole paper on a certain topic. Sometimes it uses quite brief filler words and very basic language and sentence structures, meaning that rather than copying the essays, it may be better for students to use it sort of as an inspiration tool. Um, so some students feel that ChatGPT should not be used in education because it inhibits learning. Students may use ChatGPT to complete their assignments and then simply copy and paste the responses from the AI instead of actually thinking and developing unique ideas. Um, and how will teachers know if students are learning the material that's taught in class or if they're simply using ChatGPT and then copying the work for their assignments? Um, and additionally, also, even for students who are not using ChatGPT, they can also be impacted because um, instead of the lessons that teachers are teaching, being focused around the mistakes that students make, they will be more focused around the mistakes that ChatGPT and other similar AI chatbots are making. Some students also, th also think that ChatGPT is dangerous because it can lead to a lack of motivation. Um, many students feel like they shouldn't spend time writing essays when ChatGPT can just do it faster for them. And why spend time learning when a chatbot does it better? So this lack of motivation to learn has also surfaced before in history, if you think about maths classes, when the portable calculator was invented. And the same may occur in English classes if AI is used in the education system. I think personally it's really scary to think about this because it can really lead to a lack of literacy skills and question the way we see English as an art and a skill that should be learned rather than just generated. And I think other students also worry that ChatGPT will lead to a lack of critical thinking and creativity skills. Students may not have the opportunity to learn how to communicate with others clearly and find their own distinctive voice so they can produce their own unique original work and rather all the work would just be copied from ChatGPT. Um, however, I think also some students believe that the introduction of ChatGPT will allow them to become more familiar with technology that they will inevitably need to use in the future. So perhaps rather than framing ChatGPT as a way to cheat and therefore prompting students to secretly use the forbidden technology, I think if teachers show students how to use AI for inspiration while still maintaining their own original ideas, that could be a better solution to the problem. And I think similar to how we have developed plagiarism checkers, we could possibly have teachers checking the classwork using AI writing detection tests. Speaking of plagiarism, um, Ian, I believe that Unicheck, which the school has been using to check academic honesty for several years, has now been brought by Turnitin. And this has AI detection built into the analysis conducted on submitted work. Is this something that has been discussed strategically by us as a school? Yes, it has, Donald. Um, we have the school ICT strategy group, uh, and we have discussed this. Um, although, you know, we, we have to be clear that AI tools of this kind, you know, they're not foolproof yet, although there are many of them, not just the ones that are built into turnitin.com. Um, I mean, I, I was interested, interested that, you know, Jason Lodge, who I, I mentioned earlier, um, who's an associate professor of educational psychology 
at Queensland University, he mentioned that when students were interviewed at his college, the overwhelming majority of them said that they don't want to cheat. Yeah, even if they're given some kind of a shortcut, that's not the way they want to do things. And I think part of the reasoning for that is that for many human beings, if if school is simply you know a matter of AI doing the thinking for us, then we're kind of sophisticated enough to see this as fairly pointless. Yeah, um, you know, and, and to go back, uh, Amanat, to the example that you use with English, you know, we're going to need to look really closely at the purpose of subject areas in which we envisage a future whereby students are simply you know, churning out content generated by AI. And, and I guess this is my point about redesign. A student may take a shortcut, and if they do, um, you know, if they, I guess if they don't see the purpose of an assessment, then they're gonna use that shortcut. But given the many ways in which a student could be assessed in 2023, it's actually possible to offer you know, lots of choice. Um, you know, we were talking about podcasting as a medium before the show, um, Donald. You know, there's, there's one type of, of medium that can be used. Um, and, you know, yes, uh, Amana, the, the teachers should be teaching students how to use generative AI. And, you know, for a whole host of different reasons, whether that's, you know, the replacement tutor that you mentioned, so a study buddy, could be a catalyst for creative thinking, you know, prompt questions like, you know, can I do this more creatively? That includes teachers, by the way. You come up with a lesson plan, you put that lesson plan through, you know, generative AI and you ask it, are there more creative ways to do this or differentiated ways to do this so that I'm providing for the many, many different um, needs that are in, in any given class? Um, you know, it could be that we are using generative AI to take a contrary position in a debate that we want students to have. Um, and, you know, maybe through that process, the student is going to be able to empathize with alternative perspectives. That's a really powerful outcome, I think, from a learning exercise, you know, as, as, as well as stretching what's possible. Um, okay, so, so to give a tangible example of something that I'm seriously thinking about using for our Making a Difference Week activity in October, that will be in Film Pro. It's my earliest plug, by the way, for this. Um, so, you know, I've been looking alongside um, Helio in the, the film and media department at the use of Runway ML, which is an AI tool, um, and especially the incredible powerfully, or the incredibly powerful, should I say, Gen 2, which creates video footage from your prompts. So, you know, this could make it possible for us to produce our very first science fiction film, um, you know, maybe even in, in space, because you're creating some footage that simulates a space environment I mean at the moment we're thinking about that as being only background footage so you'd still need to build a set and you still need to shoot the footage in the foreground and I'm not sure if this is possible yet I would add yeah I'm gonna, we're gonna need to do a lot of testing during the summer but you know this this would have been impossible even to contemplate you know previously um, without having to build a totally infeasible set that would cost us you know thousands and thousands of Hong Kong dollars and, and obviously it would never have happened that would be amazing, you know, an SIS version of Lost in Space or something. Exactly, yes. <laughs> right? And so how do you both feel then about the wider societal adoption of AI tools? And I know when speaking to staff in May, the first part of the presentation was about the ethics of AI. Can you elaborate on this a bit? Yeah, well, this is very important to me, um, as I think any of the staff would tell you. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts as well. 
Um, first of all, we need to be clear that the ESF and the IB have adopted AI. So this isn't going away. Um, you know, Kevin Pereira, one of our alumni who specializes in AI and has, has been on this show before, you know, used the expression with me recently that the genie's out of the bottle. It's not going to be put back in again now. This is going to happen throughout society uh, and across different sectors. But we also need to be calculated, I would say, um, and balanced in our, our adoption of the tools. And that means, you know, keeping a close eye on how other sectors are using them and learning from that. Um, you know, which is basically what the rest of, of this season, season four, is going to be about, isn't it, Amana? As yeah. we interview various different people. Um, what I spoke to staff about was looking beyond simply academic dishonesty. And, and I agree with, with Amanat's earlier you know, perspective that this isn't just about cheating in school. That's actually the tip of the iceberg, I think. Um, and we should be looking to things like the European Committee. They've just agreed an AI Act which went through recently. America is following suit. And I guess overall, I'm kind of more optimistic, certainly than I was, you know, thinking back over the last decade in the way in which, you know, um, you know, it took us so long to catch up on the sort of exploitative practices. And by us, I mean society um, that were taking place, you know, through the Web 2, Web 3 era, you know, from 2010, right the way through to 2020, all of those so-called surveillance capitalist techniques that we're now well aware of. Um, and there's been a lot done worldwide in recent years to combat the freedom of big tech, um, especially in terms of data privacy and, and children, especially. And I guess you know, it's imperative that this continues to happen with AI. And perhaps as you know, many leading figures in technology have, have advocated recently, even during the last month, we should be careful not to simply keep rolling out more and more advanced AI until it's been fully tested first. So, you know, Manat, we were talking about ChatGPT earlier on. There's a big difference between ChatGPT 3 and 4. 4 is way better, way more comprehensive, creates its bullet point list for you automatically. Um, you know, for me, that, that, that is light years forward from what we had with 3. And yet that's happened so quickly. So I guess finally, I'd, I'd also go back to citing from the Center for Humane Technology and the warnings they've already given society about not getting sort of caught up in an AI-based arms race in which big tech seeks to create a synthetic form of humanity in which we form kind of like emotional connections with the AI that we're using. I think this talk about ethics reminds me when Wikipedia mm -hmm. came in, into, into, into our lives. Um, growing up, you know, you have different teachers saying, oh, Wikipedia is the devil. Don't <laughs> use it. Can't trust it, which is true. But then others would say, actually, it could help you along the way. It could point you to the right direction. Yep. Right? You just need to learn how to use it. And I think it's important that as a school, as ESF, as people adopt it, then we can continue to add to this, right? Yep. Teach our students how to utilize these tools that we have. I agree. Now, as a consumer of media, there's a lot of different stories out there about AI becomes sentient. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the question here is, do you see a chance of AI actually becoming sentient? Well, no, not at the moment. I guess that's the key thing for people. I mean, I've been asked this by quite a lot of staff as well. And um, when I presented in May, I wanted to make very, very clear that AI is not currently sentient. Um, 
But if we do start developing an emotional connection with the AI that we're using, this kind of makes us vulnerable to exploitation, you know, through what I would imagine is us beginning to impart increasingly intimate forms of our own data privacy through the AI tools that we're, we're engaging with. So, you know, we, we've been advised to guard against this and be aware of even the kind of the language that we use. So think about the chatty voice-based commands, you know, hey Siri or hey Alexa or hey Disney. You know, ultimately those kind of relationships can be transformative. And whilst it may seem fairly innocuous at the moment, um, I think that could very, very quickly develop as forms of AI become more sophisticated, um, so that that becomes more than a study buddy, yeah? It becomes, you know, almost a confidant to the person who's speaking to the AI form. And, um, you know, that there could be some benefits to that, but we've got to, I think we have to be very, very clear about what those emotional connections could mean. And, and certainly the, the sharing of, of data uh, that comes through that process. I definitely agree. I mean, I think there are many scientists, like for example, Ray Kurzweil, who believe that the human body consists of thousands of different programs. And if we can just figure out all of these programs then we can build a sentient AI system, However, personally, I don't think that AI is currently at the point where it could be considered sentient. I think that rather the real problem lies in sort of how we are prone to attribute human qualities to it, since ChatGPT and other large language learning mod models also produce increasingly human-like answers. And actually, I think that this kind of links in with something that I was discussing during my internship earlier today at Hanson Robotics. Um, it's kind of how we see all of these different programs and these different applications and basically all of them kind of look at examples and then they can um, use these examples to synthesize responses. But I think while these can be used sort of in fun applications for art or for music or things like that, um, if we sort of think about like the holistic picture and we kind of zoom out a little bit, I think um, we start to realize that the scope that this technology can actually have I mean, um, if you look into the future, maybe there'll be like sort of um, machines that you can ask them, what would my grandfather have done in this scenario? And they'll be able to look at all the examples and all the data about a certain person and then predict what their response would be to new scenarios. And I think with technology like that being developed, then we have a real risk that humans form an emotional attachment to machines. And I think that's the real problem. Yeah, I think that's really well said, by the way. So as a final question to the both of you then, um, what do you think we can look forward to when it comes to AI? If we were discussing this a year from now, describe what the next 12 months are likely to bring. So I think looking into the future, I think that ChatGPT will definitely be integrated into most software products. Um, Microsoft and Google, for example, have already announced their intentions to do this for Microsoft Office, the Microsoft Power Platform, and the Google Workplace or G Suite set of Office applications. And this would make the ChatGPT technology kind of impossible to avoid. Um, additionally, I think in the future, we could see the integration of advanced AI solutions and generative AI. So um, recently, we've already experienced image generation and text generation being integrated 
for example, for advertising campaigns or for PowerPoint presentations as well. And we can expect similar advancements with this technology as well. For example, I think not many people know, but OpenAI, um, which created ChatGPT, has also been working on another AI technology called Whisper. So basically, Whisper changes speech into transcribed text with high levels of accuracy. And um, it's far more accurate than other technologies that have been previously developed because it's able to do this with um, people who talk very fast or also people with heavy accents, and it can do it quite accurately. So um, just looking into the future, I mean, imagine a call center based on Whisper and ChatGPT technology. You could like use your phone to make a call, and then the request would be transcribed immediately to ChatGPT to provide you with information. And I guess the only part that would be missing would be the ability to convert the text from ChatGPT back into speech. But with, even with the technologies that we currently already have available, like Apple Siri, this would be serviceable as well. And I would, I would just add to that, uh, Amana, that you know, when you were articulating those thoughts there, I was thinking about the kind of various plugins that we are already talking about in school. So you were saying that ChatGPT is going to be integrated into all of these different products. I think it already is. Um, you know, uh, over at KG5, for instance, they've been experimenting with report writing, uh, and I'm actually hoping to get Tim Carroll, who's the deputy principal, on one of our next shows, um, where uh, ChatGPT is generating a response based on the data that's being gathered by those who are, you know, inputting uh, information into their system. So I think those kind of plugins are going to be used increasingly. Um, again, that kind of cognitive offloading that we were discussing earlier on. Um, and, and I would say that from my perspective, uh, I think that the general public, including the stakeholders at South Island, will come to understand what Amana and the other Tech Connect students have been saying for years. And namely, that's that AI is much more than chat GPT, actually. Yeah. You know, I, I always think of Gaugan, yeah, which um, yeah. You, know, you started teaching. That was the first lesson that I saw you teach um, with AI. Um, and it was interesting that on a list of, of different apps that I was looking at over the weekend, um, there was NVIDIA, which does kind of like the, the bigger grand scale, I think, of Gaugan. Mm -hmm. um, that idea of doodles turning into photorealistic work. Um, so I think the kind of things that you and I were getting completely blown away by three years ago, there's so many different variants of it now across the board. Um, you know, I was reading over the weekend that there's a, there's kind of like an online AI school called Cactus, which is writing a lot of papers for students. And I think over the next 12 months, we're going to have to be careful about these kind of, you know, institutions online. Um, and that's not to say that I don't think Cactus has some ethical use too. It clearly does. But coming back to what we said earlier on, there is always that danger that, that, that students are going to look for those shortcuts. Yeah. So... As I was saying, there, there are literally thousands of generative AI applications available, which are going to have an impact, I think, in the next 12 months, Donald, in every facet of life, including, you know, the curriculum, all, all of it. Every subject area is going to be touched by this. The evolution of AI is currently taking place at double exponential rate. I mean, that's just mind-blowing, yeah? Which is why the this, this speed of change, you know, is, is not just breathtaking, but, you know, I agree with you. It, it is scary, Amana, in, in some different ways. Um, and this is for, I mean, for people like you and I, we love technology. We talk about it all the time. Um, for me, this job, digital technology, is also my hobby. So 
you know, I listen to podcasts all the time on this subject matter, and yet I'm finding it quite daunting the speed at which things are moving at. So I really empathize with colleagues in school or even students who've had private conversations with me and who have, you know, kind of privately shared that this is this is scary, you know, the, the speed at which things are changing at. And I guess when you consider the release of the provision, of, sorry, of uh, provision, yeah, from, from Apple, which also looks like a kind of, I think it's a game changer in terms of augmented and virtual reality, I can also see a marriage between the two and obviously with, with generative AI. Um, and at present, you know, I think those, the, the, the goggle, you know, the, the mask for it is a little bit too expensive for mass use. It's not like everyone's going to be going out there and, and, and picking one up. But I think inevitably it's likely to provide more and more creative, immersive ways for students to interact with the world around them. And that's incredibly exciting. It opens up doors for learning experiences the like of which we've, we've never had before. So exciting, but slightly daunting times. And I think that's going to continue to accelerate over the next 12 months. And, and I should add to that, that's why we've got to be part of a community. Um, you know, I say to the staff, we've got to collaborate on this. Um, you know, if you have a win over here using, you know, uh, a new tool and another member of staff is facing a bit of a challenge over there, we should be getting together and, and sharing those experiences. And that means the students as well. We're not sure about this tool. We've got some ethical concerns. This is what we're seeing other students using it in, in this way. Um, and I think, you know, as stakeholders in a community, I think the real power of collaboration, not just in school, but across the whole English Schools Foundation uh, comes to, to bear there. Well, I can't wait for, uh, for that day when we get our own ProVision here at SIS. <laughs> um, I'll come to you for those help. Um, that's just all about the time we have here today. So I'd like to thank our excellent guests, Ian and Amanat. And also, as usual, thank you, Helio, for your production credits. Um, we will be back soon with episode 20, the second in our series focusing on the challenges and opportunities afforded across various industries with AI and tech in 2023. What would you like to discuss? If you have any ideas, questions, or feedback, then please write to digileaders at wetmail.sis.edu.hk. And don't forget to rate or like the show on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever possible. As always, you stay classy, SIS, and thanks for stopping by.